Let us pray. Lord, as we prepare this morning to hear your word, to hear what you have said through your scriptures, we ask that you open our hearts, that you prepare them, that you clear away the distractions, and that you help us to to focus our attention on you. Lord, we ask that only your truth will be spoken and only your truth will be heard during this time, and that you bless this time that we have here in the presence of your spirit and in the presence of each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This week we're beginning a a sermon series um, called Living True in a World of Lies. And uh, the, the concept behind this is that we live in a culture, we live in a society where there are many ideals, there are many things that are, are taught to us or fed, fed to us through the popular culture that are, are not exactly accurate. Uh, some of them are half-truths, some of them are deceptive, and then some of them are just outright lies. And as followers of Christ, we have to align ourselves with what is true, with the absolute truth. Now, one of the things that our, our society does now, or our culture does now, is they try to tell us that, uh, that truth is relative, or that truth is subjective, or that anything is true as long as you are sincere when you believe it. And of course, that's, that's crazy talk. And, and it's kind of ironic that even in uh, the culture's definition of truth, there is deceit. And so what we're trying to do with this series is we're trying to look at a lot of things, a lot of common perceptions in our culture, a lot of things that, that we are prone to, to believe and prone to fall for, and we're lining them up against ideals or, or concepts that, uh, that God expresses to us in Scripture, and we're trying to see the difference there in them. Uh, when we say something is true, 
uh, we, what we really mean is that it, it is absolute, that it compares with some other form or perfection, something that is real. In construction, you, you use a plumb line. You drop a plumb line down to make sure that something is completely straight or completely flush. If you just kind of said, well, this is uh, subjective or it's relative or this is my idea of straight, then uh, whatever you built, would, it would be sorry. It would fall apart. Uh, so you have to have something exact, something to compare it to. Uh, when, when you shoot a gun, you look through the scope. And if it's not aligned right, even if it's off just slightly, your aim is going to be off. And what you, what you are trying to do, the target that you are aiming for, uh, you're not going to be able to hit that because your perspective is flawed. And so the idea of aligning ourselves with biblical truth is to line our vision, our scope up with God's. So that what we are aiming to do is also what he wants us to aim to do, and we don't veer off. Now, we're going to be talking about a number of different uh, things, a number of different ideas that the culture uh, imposes on us or, or tries to teach us. Um, but for, for this week, since it's the beginning of the series, we're going to talk about the need for us to be separate from the culture. We're going to talk about the need for us to live in truth even when it's difficult and even when the whole world around us isn't doing so. Now, the, the reason that we need to be separate, or as Paul puts here, um, uh, not unequally yoked, the, the reason we need to be separate is, is two reasons. First of all, so that God can truly be God for us. Because if we are following the, the whims and the ways of the world, if we are absorbed in popular culture and the culture around us, uh, then uh, we, we, there are all kinds of idols that will pop up. And it could be anything. It could be a form of entertainment. It could be a form of technology. It could be music. It could be a hobby. Even wonderful things uh, that, that are, are good in their own way, like family or health or finance, those also can become for us idols. They can be something that takes the place of God in our life if we are aligned too closely with the thinking and the ways of the secular culture. So that's one reason why it's important for us to live in truth, so that, we, that God can truly be our priority, that God can be the one that we are going after. But the second reason is so that we can receive God's promises. If you look at this passage that we just read, Paul uh, quotes from the Old Testament, and at, and at first glance it just looks like one long quote, like he's quoting something from the Old Testament. I wonder where he got that. Really, what it is is it's six separate quotes, quotes from Leviticus, two from Isaiah, one from Ezekiel, one from 2 Samuel, and one from Jeremiah. And what Paul has done is he has taken a piece here and a sentence there and he's woven them together to form this basic list of promises that God has made to us. God has said, if you are separate, if you come out of this group and you are separate and you follow me and I am your God, you, I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and you will be my daughters. So what, what Paul is saying is, is if you're not separating yourself, if you're not pulling yourself away from the popular culture, from the, the secular society that you're surrounded with, and you are not allowing God to be God, then you can't receive these promises. But if you do, then his promises and his blessings are yours, because they're woven all through the Old Testament and through the New Testament. 
But Paul calls this, uh, this, this marriage with the secular world being unequally yoked. If you've grown up in the church, you've, you've heard that expression before probably. Uh, but if you haven't, it's a strange term. It's not something that we just normally say in, in 21st century language. But the, re- but the reason Paul uses that phrase is it's a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 22. When God was speaking the Deuteronomical law to Moses, one of the things he said is, Do not plow your field with an ox and a donkey. If you go about trying to plow your field with an ox and a donkey, what's going to happen? You're going to veer off. Because they're two different animals. One's going to pull the other one. The world looks much different to an ox than it does to a donkey. And, just, and it's the same way with us. The world looks a lot different to a believer than it does to an unbeliever. The world, our perspective is different. Our mission is different. Our purpose is different. And if we are too closely yoked with unbelievers, if that's what we are, are running with, if that is what we are, are constantly clinging to and we are, are, are adopting their ideas and their philosophies, it's going to be like the donkey who's yoked to the ox. We're going to get pulled off to the side. You see, we have a goal, and that's holiness. We've been talking about it several times in in here. We talked about it Wednesday night. Sanctification, what John Wesley called sanctifying grace. Once we receive Christ, once we allow Christ to come into our life, we are on this lifelong journey towards holiness. And we will never fully reach it in this life. But by God's grace, we are getting closer as we journey on. We are becoming more and more Christ-like in our walk. That is the goal. That is the straight path that we follow. And when we are married to, to the, the secular culture and its ideas and its philosophies, we will get pulled off course. And that's why Paul says, do not be unequally yoked. Because how can we intend to go where, how can we go where we intend to go, or where God intends us to go, if we're being pulled aside by another? Holiness is our goal. And in, in cha- chapter 7, that first verse, Paul says to so. He says that we are striving to bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. Now, as, as we talk about this and we, we think about becoming separate, striving for holiness, there's a temptation here that we become isolated. When, that's, that's almost the first response when we hear, okay, I've got to become separate from the world, separate from the secular culture. I, I might as well just isolate myself and live in a bubble with, with, and just surround myself with only other Christians and only people who are striving for the same goal. And that way we're not, we're not faced with temptation. We're not, we're at, but that's not what God wants us to do. Because the kind of separation that he wants from us and the kind of separation Paul is talking about here is an inward separation. It's not outward. It doesn't mean go withdraw, retreat into your own bubble, live in the confines of your own comfort zone so that you don't know what's going on in the world around you. The kind of separation that Paul is talking about is an inward separation uh, that you've been changed from the inside and you are, nothing is going to stop your pursuit of holiness But it doesn't mean avoid the rest of the world. It doesn't mean avoid the culture that you live in, avoid the society you live in. Because faith in a bubble is too comfortable. It's too convenient. It doesn't challenge us. And it's inauthentic. Think about outreach, missions, evangelism. All of those things uh, become irrelevant if we're in a bubble. 
If we think of the church as just being, you know, this group of people here inside these walls and church is what we do and, and the world out there is dangerous, we don't want any part of it, so let's just stay in here with each other, we have no outreach. We ha- there is no evangelism happening. There is no uh, mission happening. We are not informed if we are isolated. One of the uh, popular phrases that gets, um, it's kind of a buzzword or a buzz phrase right now in, in the media and in the culture is, is white privilege. People who say, well, white people can't possibly understand the plight of black people in America because they've never had to deal with it. Well, I, I don't like blanket statements like that because then you're just you're lumping everybody into one of two categories. But there is some truth to that, and there are a lot of circumstances where people live in one environment and will never become aware of the struggles of another environment. It, it, it just won't happen. And it, and it can be the same thing with Christians. We can become so cozy and so comfortable in our, in our circles, and we can live in our own bubble, that we don't even realize how hungry the rest of the world is for Christ. We don't even see the need for Christ in the rest of the world like we should. Because we have isolated ourselves, because we have cut ourselves off, we cannot possibly be informed about the, the struggles that go on in the world all around us. But the other thing is our mission, our outreach, our evangelism, none of it will be received if we are isolated. If you were to go into the, the housing authority with a cooked meal or with a, a cake or something and you were to give it to somebody there, knock on their door, they answer it, you give it to them, But these people know that you do not talk to them any other time. You saw them at Family Dollar and you didn't speak to them. You didn't show them any kindness there. They're going to look at you with suspicion when you try to bring them a meal. They're going to think, what, are you doing this for just so you feel better? Are you doing this for your your own uh, glorification? What what is your angle here? Because they know that that we've, we've isolated ourselves from them. We have nothing to do with them. We ignore them in all other situations. But then all of a sudden we want to do this one act of kindness. And they, they see that as inauthentic. And it's the same way when we live in isolation from the secular world. It's the same way when we cut ourselves off and say we're going to have nothing to do with the secular world. But we still will go out there occasionally and try to make them like us. That doesn't work. Separation is not outward. And if you need further evidence of that, just look at the mission and the life of Jesus Christ. He would go up to the mountain. He would pray to God. That's how he he found his strength. That's how he remained strong in his mission. He would surround himself with his disciples, and they would go off, and they strengthened each other in their, their worship and their conversation and their prayers. But then what did they do? They would go into Jerusalem. They would go into Samaria. They would go into Galilee. Wherever they were going, they would go into the city, into the thick of it. They didn't avoid everybody. They didn't just exist on the outskirts of town, making each other feel good about their faith. They went into the town where Jesus healed people. He spoke truth to them. He loved on them. He gave them hope. He taught them. He fed them. And, and we have to do the same. Although we can't be yoked with the world, we have to be separate. That separation has to be inward so that we can still be there in the midst of them making a difference. Separation does not mean isolation. Jesus healed the demoniac in Gadara. It's taught, told about in Matthew and in Mark. 
He cast the demon out. And then what did he tell the man? He said, go and tell your friends what I've done. He didn't say, okay, now you have to go relocate yourself to another town, find a whole other group of people to associate yourself with. No, he said, you've experienced an inward change. Now take that inward change and go back to your friends and show them. Tell them what I've done. You have been separated from the evil that bound you. Now show that separation off to the culture that surrounds you. Now there is a warning that comes with this. When, when we think about uh, being in the world but not of it, sometimes we, we think of that as, as, okay, well, then we definitely need to be in the world. We, we do need to be in the world but not of it. But there's a, an improper balance that happens sometimes where we're too much involved in the world and we want to show that we are involved in the world. Uh, for example, there was a, a lady that worked behind me for years uh, when, I, when I worked in Columbus, and she was in the cube behind me, and I would hear her say things. She never said it to me, but I would hear her say things to her friends. They'd be talking about going out on Friday night and doing things, and she would say, no, let's don't go there. I know there's a bunch of Christians that go there. I don't want to be made to feel bad about what I do. And those Christians, they're, they're prudes. I don't want to go somewhere where they're going to be. And then, on the other hand, she would hear about Christians who hung out and did some of the same things that she wanted to do. And she would say, well, that's just hypocritical. Those Christians are hypocrites. So it was kind of like, darned if you do, darned if you don't. It's like she's, she had her mind made up that Christians were either going to be prudes or they were going to be hypocritical. The truth is, you can't please everybody. You can't be a chameleon Christian. You can't say, I'm in the world, let me show you how much I'm in the world because I'm just like you. Because then there's no difference. They don't see any separation. They don't see a difference in us, a striving for holiness. All they see is that we are trying to please everybody all at once, and that never works. Uh, Aesop had a, 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 there's an old Aesop fable that uh, Miller and his son were going into town to sell a donkey. And they were walking alongside the donkey, and they passed this group of women who all started laughing and said, uh, y'all have a donkey. Why are you walking? And, and the miller got to thinking, I, I guess this does look pretty silly. So he climbed up on the or he put his son up on the donkey, and he walked alongside. And as they were walking, they, they walked past a group of elderly men who, who all started jeering at the, the boy up on the donkey, and said, how can you sit on that donkey while your elderly father is walking? Get down and let, let, have respect for your elders. Get down and let him walk. So the boy got down and, and the man climbed up on the donkey and he rode a little bit further. And then he started getting jeered from another group of people that said, you lazy man, you're fully grown. You, you should be able to walk alongside your donkey. What, what do you mean letting your child walk while you ride? And so the miller said, well, the only thing I can do is for both of us to ride the donkey. So he picked up his son, and they both rode on the donkey, and then all these people started saying, that poor donkey. <laughs> Having to tote both of y'all lazy people around. And the miller realized there is no way that he could make everybody happy. And we have to realize the same thing. There's no way we can make everybody happy. And so that should not be our goal. Our goal is holiness and we can't live a certain way to try to please the world. We can't live a certain way where we're one foot in, one, one foot out, where we're, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here with you guys, but I want you to know I'm also with God. It doesn't work that way. We have to be focused on holiness, 
but do so in the midst of our secular culture. The world should know that we are different because of our our inward journey towards holiness. Because an unbelieving world that idolizes everything should know when they meet someone, when they come across someone who doesn't. When they meet someone who truly seeks to serve God first, that should make an impression on the secular culture. But that doesn't mean that we should retreat from the world and remain within the confines of our own comfort zones. We, like Jesus, must be willing and ready to live out our faith in public, to live out our faith in front of, in sight of, and in the midst of a secular culture. Separation is inward, not outward. In the world, but not of it. Separation does not mean isolation. For us, it means sanctification. Let us pray. Lord, we confess our struggle with you that so hard it is, that sometimes it is so hard for us to, to journey towards holiness when we are being pulled aside. And then the tendency is to overcorrect and, and isolate ourselves. But Lord, we know that that is not your will for us. Like your son Jesus, you want us to live out our lives of purpose, to live out our mission, to live out our journey towards holiness in the midst of the world, in the midst of the culture around us, not compromised by their deceit, but living in your truth and making your truth a witness and example to the world who so desperately needs to see it. Lord, Lord, we ask that you empower us and equip us for this journey towards holiness. Let us be separate from the world. Let us be called out. Let us be different because of the inward change that you have made in us. But never let us become isolated. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 698, God of the Ages. Please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 698.